popcorn ready? It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago. It's Adam Hogue. I do think he has the support of his teammates. Why would you not be rooting for him to succeed? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I don't mean to psychoanalyze this stuff, but this is what we do in Chicago. This is what we do with our quarterbacks, and this is the biggest story in town. Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you on a Tuesday in late March. As teams pile up on free agents and the Bears kind of keep striking out. It's <laughs> swinging and missing. You get points for uh, trying? No, we no. talked about that last podcast. No, no, Doesn't you don't. Count. Doesn't count. But what, perhaps their best free agent signing was one of their own. The kicker. Our guy. Cairo Santos uh, met with reporters this morning. And uh, Carlos Santos. He was there too. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a little bit more about Andy Dalton as well as we welcome you in. We'll talk about some of this stuff that happened over the weekend. Kyle Fuller, no longer a bear. Kenny Galladay, not a bear. A lot of people are not bears. Uh, but Cairo Santos and Carlos are bears. And, uh, and so we'll break it all down here for you on the Hogan Johns podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. And uh, you could read a, a whole roster breakdown from Johns and Kevin Fishbane on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. And that's uh, where I want to start with this conversation here in a second. Uh, you can read me at NBC Sports Chicago. Dot com. Check out our t-shirts, obviousshirts.com. You can get the Hogan Johns collection there. Plenty of t-shirts for, to choose from. And uh, through the end of the month, they benefit the 22Q Family Foundation, which uh, we really appreciate those of you that have jumped on there and are sending in your photos, repping the shirts. We appreciate the support. Uh, okay, so you guys did a whole roster breakdown, and uh, it kind of leads to this simple question. Are the Bears worse today than they were a week ago? Yes. Yes. I, I think it's a, a lot to do with the Cal Fuller pick because we could say it's a wash quarterback, right? Like, I know what yeah. stats say, and I, I, I know that – I know we'll talk about Andy Dalton later in this show, but let's just call it a wash at quarterback just because they're in the same tier of quarterback, all three of the guys, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, Andy Dalton, same bottom third of the league, right? Same tier. To me, it's the Kyle Fuller move. I get that some fans maybe saw him as overpaid. Uh, I think the Bears would agree. Um, but I think the Bears also wanted to keep him. And I don't think Desmond Trufant is an upgrade. So I, I think the Bears, with that move alone, have gotten weaker. Yeah, I, I think that's safe to say that they're not as good. Um, I, I don't think it's that big of a drop-off, to be honest with you, though. I, I think I think when you look at... Uh, what Desmond Trufant... Now, the problem with Desmond Trufant is he's not always healthy. And so that's a problem. Where Kyle Fuller... Kyle Fuller was. Kyle Fuller, since that one year where he missed the whole season, has been very, very, very healthy and reliable. So uh, that's a concern. I think when you look at how Kyle Fuller plays, and especially what he's given you the last couple seasons, it, he, again, I have to always... Prep, he's good. There's no question he's good. Um, but it's not like you're sacrificing a bunch of interceptions here. Trufant's very similar to Fuller in style, and they don't necessarily get their hands on the ball a ton. And so I think you can get by. And that's why I think I actually will defend the Bears on this move. I just never envisioned a scenario where they couldn't trade him. That's what was surprising to me. But in the market, obviously, he would have gotten 13, I think 13 million, 13 and a half million. If you had traded for Kyle Fuller, that's what you would have had to pay him. And the Broncos are only paying him nine. So that shows you right there why he wasn't traded. Yeah, he 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 wasn't worth what he was what the Bears were going to pay him in this market this year. So that's it's amazing that that's a the case. And I'd ha, I can't chalk that up to anything more than a little bit of bad luck. I mean that's that's one example where this pandemic year 
it's just unlucky that this was the year where Kyle had that cap hit go to where it was. Now, part of that's on the Bears for restructuring it the way they did, but you know, if Darius Slay last year was getting a third and a fifth rounder, and now you can't get anything for Kyle Fuller, that's probably the current conditions of the market in the pandemic, and that just sucks. It's also the yeah the the timing of it as well. It's everything you just said, and it's also late in free agency. You're days into this. Um, you could actually argue the Bears did him a bit of a of a disservice waiting this long and trying to work it out, um, asking for a, a pay cut to try to work this out with with Kyle Fuller. Um, I know what you're saying about the interceptions, but let's not forget some of the the other things he brought to that team. Like they went after Jalen Johnson. Opposing quarterbacks went after Jalen Johnson a lot last year for good reason because Kyle Fuller was still pretty darn good on the other side. The hits that Kyle Fuller delivered, some of those were game changing. Yeah, game changing. Like th- there were a lot of stories about those. There were a lot of stories about how they were called penalties. Like those are are moments. Those those are plays that stick with that defense, that resonate with th- that defense. And I know what you're saying about the interceptions. Only made one at the beginning of the year. You want more from a guy making that much money? But I I, I disagree with you. I, I think he's significantly better than Desmond Trufant. I do. Yeah, I just think you can... Uh... Yes, again, in a vacuum, he's better than Desmond Trufant. That's not what I'm saying, but it's it, when you put the whole thing together and how he was costing you $20 million against the cap, you didn't have a lot of cap space. Well, it was I untenable, do, yes. I, I do think that this was a, a, a spot where it made football business sense to have to make this move. Not an easy move, and obviously it wasn't easy because they tried to trade him. They tried to talk about a pay cut. They tried all these different things. That's why two days after it was reported that he was cut, it took two more days because they were still trying to work something out that made more sense for the Bears, and it just it didn't happen. So, And then he signed with the Denver Broncos in five minutes, which tells you that that was already being worked on too at the same time. And, that, and that's all... That's the kind of stuff that what he was like already sort of a free agent, even though he wasn't. And then what was the demand going to be? And could that still turn into a trade? That was all the kind of conversations that happen a tough situation like that and unfortunately in the end it didn't go to the Bears way so um, I agree that overall I don't know how you can make an argument that they're better maybe you can make an argument that they're still basically an 8-8 eight and eight team but on paper they seem worse to me yeah the well here's here's another part of this argument if you want to argue that they're the same I'll tell you they're they're worse off then isn't the goal to try to get better to improve the roster, to tweak it toward improvement, to finding those extra wins, to finding those extra plays, it's uh, they're, they're stuck. Uh, they're really stuck with a lot of contracts, a lot of aging veterans with those contracts, without a quarterback, just had to pay another one. The Bears are stuck, absolutely stuck. So um, I would have to guess the argument right now that they try to make is that schematically they can be better. Oh. You know, and that's a yeah. tough argument to make. That's a tough argument to make. Like, I, I, I believe that on defense. Uh, I, I like to think that Sean Desai is going to be young, innovative, eager. Like, his ideas are just going to be different than Vic Fangio's, will be similar to Vic Fangio's, but different than Vic Fangio's, but also different than Chuck Pagano's, and I think that will be a benefit for the defense, but the questions are on offense. Scheme all you want. The personnel is still the same. The quarterback is not much of an upgrade, if you, even if you want to call him that. Just, I don't care about the scheme on the offense right now. I, I just You look at the roster, and, and where do you see the improvement? Right, like Where's the, the next step going to be? Maybe Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery, young players getting better, but it's hard to do that when you don't have a quarterback. Well, I guess the the question is is like if they managed to go eight and eight last year and make the playoffs with that quarterback situation, right? And and there was a period in there when Nick Foles and it wasn't all Nick Foles' fault, but the offense was beyond atrocious, right? Like they couldn't move the ball. It was really, really bad. They still managed to go eight and eight. So again, I'm not saying this is a great argument. But I, I have to think that maybe what they're thinking is, all right, if they go into this, they fully commit to Bill Lazor's scheme. They run the offense through David Montgomery. And they really, really do commit to that, 
which if you're listening to this and your immediate response is they always say that and they never do it, completely fair. But if they're really going into the season with Andy Dalton, I have to feel like that. that what other option do they have? Like This has to be an offense that goes through the running game. If they can get more stability and a better offensive line, which let's not forget about the draft. There's still opportunities to upgrade there. Um, can they just be more efficient? I'm not saying they're going to be great offensively, but can they be more consistent and more efficient for 16 games? And if they do find that identity, even if it's not a powerhouse identity, but they find that identity quicker and they're more consistent, is that worth an extra win or two? Maybe. Maybe, but you're counting on like Jared Goff being bad in Detroit. You're counting on maybe some regression from the Green Bay Packers. You need help around the league for this to happen. And I'm not one to obsess over strength of schedule because things change every single year. Injuries come into play. But on paper, the Bears have a pretty tough schedule for for next year. I, I know what you're saying, but... Yeah, I, I, I will say this. I think this offense is more Bill Lazers today than Matt and Eggies. I, th- I think about last year where Bill Lazor went out of his way to consistently call it Matt Nagy's offense. Like every time he was asked about play calling, he referred to it as Coach Nagy's offense. Like went out of his way to highlight that. With Andy Dalton here, and with Andy Dalton specifically mentioning, mentioning Bill Lazor within the first five words of his press conference, like this is Bill Lazor's offense so, yes, I think what you saw over the last six or seven weeks of the season with, with the play action, the boots, with Trubisky and whatnot, the emphasis on the run game, that's going to, to stick. But just because it worked against bad defensive teams last year doesn't mean it's going to stick consistently through 17 games this coming year. All right, well, let's circle back to this because I know that you have some points on Andy Dalton that you want to make, and maybe they actually fit with what I'm saying here, trying to... I'm not trying to spin this positively. I'm just, I I do keep thinking about how inept they were at times. And as much as I'm not a huge fan of the Andy Dalton signing, can they be more consistent? That's the only question. So we'll come back to that uh, in a little bit because I know you have more response to that. But Cairo Santos did talk to the media today. um, And I have to say, I I thought that this was a no-brainer. Given the cap situation, you know, you didn't, want to be giving out a ton of money to a kicker but the way I look at this like I still don't think the Bears are awful I still think they have too much talent to be terrible I think they're going to be in games and I don't know how many of those games are going to win but if they're going to be close games you want to have a good kicker you want to have a reliable kicker and that's why I thought that this was a move the Bears absolutely had to make to lock up a kicker especially when you consider the horrendous kicking woes that they went through for four years uh, after cutting Robbie Gold. And this guy just shows up last year in the middle of training camp and is suddenly your solution, like sent from God uh, out of nowhere. You lock that guy up and you make sure that this is not a problem anymore. The entire battery of the kicking game applies to that too. You need the Patricks back. Yes, the Patricks are back. Do you want to play Chris? I was about to call him Chris Tabor. Carl, about to call him Carlos Santos. Do you want to play Cairo Santos? Uh, hear what he have, has to say about returning here. And then, um, yeah, I, I think it was a no-brainer. I, I thought for a second that they might have difficulties just because of the cap situation and because of how good he was. Maybe he wanted to test the market and get more money. You, you always see teams throw serious money at kickers. Bears did it a couple years ago with uh, a certain somebody that's. In Cleveland right now. So um, let's hear from Santos. Yeah. Amazing. How? Amazing. Yeah. Well, he didn't get paid like big bucks, but they brought him back in Cleveland. Yeah, he's back. He's back. Um, a kicker shall, who shall not be named. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, let's play Santos. And then um, I, I got a thought on what what his return means as opposed to like what we covered a couple of years ago. Adam Hogue. Hey, Cairo. Uh, I'm curious, as you were 
going through those those years where you're trying to come back from the injury and you're bouncing around a little bit, how much doubt did you have to to fight off that that maybe you'd get back to this situation where you get a long-term extension? A lot. I mean, there are parts of my of that those years that I was still playing that I just didn't feel like I was popping the ball the, the way I used to. Um, it, and it to me is more clear now that having the season I had last year that I got back to myself and not even, if not even stronger, it was a reassurance that like really like those, those years that I was playing in Tampa, um, you know, just bouncing around. Like I was not as strong as I was this past year and as strong as I wanted to be. So it was like, it was tough battling and doubting if I was going to be able to get there just because just, the body was not responding to how I wanted to um, because of, I think so many scar tissues and all. Um, so at times I, I, I wonder if you know, if you ever recover from these types of injuries, multiple injuries in the groin. And I think with just hard work and dedication and strengthen everything. And, um, and I think the mental work too, to just allow your body to push to the limits to, to get it stronger and, and break up those scar tissues. It, it allowed me to get to this place. So uh, a lot of it wasn't if I could still, you know, be the accurate kicker that I once was or the strong, it was just like, if my body was going to allow me to, uh, that's going to be a, a big disappointment if I just couldn't get over that hurdle, uh, which I did. And I feel stronger than, you know, the, the injury itself and, uh, and physically and mentally as I ever was. So I think I overcame something that, that, you know, it was more um, physical than, than mental. Just a quick follow-up. Where were you in that whole mindset last year when you signed with the Bears? Because you were on sign. Did you, I mean, did you think you were going to get an opportunity? And where was that confidence level at that time last year when you signed? I think the biggest uh, uh, challenge was like, you know, the whole COVID and, and NFL um wasn't allowing workouts so you just like you know when is that gonna come or is it is it gonna come this year it was so unsure how the process was gonna be for free agents so um and i think it was scary just to like see how everything was gonna work out for the veterans it, you know if maybe more rookies were gonna be called you know for those kind of um uh, backup kicker roles that many kit teams had for covid um so i so, so many question marks in, in the year that I, you know, really just one game I had with Tennessee last year that cost me my job um, was going to be the, you know, maybe the last thing that teams were looking at. Uh, so I got a chance to, as soon as um, workouts were allowed, I got a chance to go to San Diego and do a, a Carney, a coach John Carney kicking combine out there. And the Bears were one of the teams that were present. Um, and I had a great day, you know, that was a, the opportunity that for all those months from I got released till and that was back in, uh, I think, July, um, all those months, that was a preparation that you just weren't waiting for that one opportunity. So uh, in me, you know, I had the faith that it was going to come and I just had to be ready for it. You know, I think it, I was in a position that I just, I had to take advantage of the next opportunity or it would be over. Um, you know, so I, I think I, I'm, I'm proud of the way everything worked out and, uh, and where I ended up. You know, it's part of why it, it seemed like such a no brainer from both sides. I mean, you just hear Cairo talking there and the, the doubt he had about, you know, where, where his career was headed. If it was still, people forget that, that game in Tennessee, when he was on the Titans two years ago, it was awful. They missed four kicks in that game. You know, and so then then he's sitting there in a pandemic, uh, still not completely sure if he's healthy or going to bounce back or get an opportunity. And, you know, that little nugget about being in San Diego, that workout is just gives you a little bit of a glimpse of how much time these teams spend on potential acquisitions. I mean, think about last summer, um, you know, your the amount of testing that was going into just getting the building, but the Bears still made their way to San Diego somehow and watched Cairo Santos kick, and then that turned out to be the guy who sets a franchise record for most consecutive field goals made in a Bears uniform. It, it's a pretty incredible story, 
Yeah, we know Chris Tabor hits those kitch- or kitchen kick. I can't talk today. Kicking circuits. Um, he's active on those. He, you know, there's a and, few and the, of them. And the kitchen conventions too. Yeah, I mean, those kitchen, are big. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got remodeling jobs. You know, I I saw him at Lowe's the other day in the kitchen section. <laughs> really? Seriously? No, no, I did not. Oh. What's up, Tabes? Get new kitchen sink. <laughs> Yeah. Now that's a story. Now that's a story. Uh, if there's one thing, like we, we learn a lot of things about the Bears kicking competition a couple years ago. Uh, learning about these kicking circuits and these workouts and these camps that all these guys work out, like that, that was one general takeaway for me. Like going into this world that I, I, I knew existed, but didn't know how many layers there were to it like you hear about quarterback coaches and stuff like that all these private back or private quarterback coaches but these private kicking coaches and, and puntering coaches and they're like that, that's a whole other world too um working with high school kids college kids and guys in the pros uh so chris Tabor is all in that so when when Kyro, i can't say carlos when cairo santos was talking today and, and uh, uh, carlos santos he is forever Changed my my recall and car did it again. Cairo Santos name. When we heard Santos talk this morning at eight, just call him Carlos. It's fine. Yes, yes, yes. I can't do that. That's not nice. When we heard Santos talk this morning, I couldn't help but think about that kicking competition. Him, the kicker who would not who who we will not name. They're both in the league, and all those guys that we saw at Hallis Hall during that off season program. I don't think any of them are in the league. Not one. No. I think Elliot Fry had a couple cups of coffee in certain places. He was in Atlanta. I think he kicked in Atlanta for a bit somewhere else, too. I want to say Carolina. I'm sure Eddie Pinheiro will get a a workout somewhere. But all of those guys that we covered, like your guy, the backflip guy. Oh, yeah. Don't even remember his name. Yep. Yep. Same here. Sorry, buddy. Minnesota Mankato? Yeah, something. Was that right? He would, he would do backflips, spin the ball, like all the necessary things you need to do in games <laughs> to be a successful NFL kicker. Kicked an ugly ball. Like, John, like the, John's hated his ball so much. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was... He could like kick that, it like, 70 yards, but ugly. Not straight. All, like, just think about that. Like, what was that? And here we are talking about a Santos extension. Pat O'Donnell's back. Patrick Scales is back. The, the whole band is back together. Santos used those words today. And, and like, what was that a couple of years ago? Okay, but here, here's a counterpoint. Um, I, I get what you're saying. In, in fact, that like the guy that ended up kicking that season for the Bears wasn't even in that whole kicker circus. Like, they went out after all that and they traded for Eddie Pinheiro, who ended up beating Elliott Fry and was the kicker that season. And then he looked like a potential long term option. And then he gets hurt. And then Cairo Santos jumps in. I guess, so on the surface, that could all look like a waste of time, except what if one of those guys, just in how Cairo Santos, it's some random kicking thing in San Diego last year, had a great day, you know, turned out to be the real deal. I mean, that's why they did it. It just was probably a low probability that you were going to find your kicker amongst a bunch of guys that, you know, there's a reason why they were all available to come to Alice Hall in May for an eight kicker derby. But you never know, and that's why these teams go into this stuff and they try, even if it's sometimes it looks ridiculous, because if they can just finally stumble on the right guy, they may have their answer. I have another point. Santos kicked for the Bears in 2017. Wasn't the same guy, still coming back from the injury. We, we just heard him kind of highlight that as, as well. But that was the year. Let's see if you can remember these guys. Connor Barth, Mike Nugent. And didn't Roberto Aguayo come through training camp, come through Bourbon A that year as well? Yeah, he did. And yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Different coaching staff. It was Jeff Rogers as the special teams coordinator, John Fox, who proved to be pretty impatient with his kickers as well. Um, Curse of Robbie Gold was still very real at that time, but hey, he's at least re- he's still real, by the way. Yeah. Well, well, Santos was excellent last year. So at least just, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and retrospect, anything you want to say about looking back, it's just here we are talking about Cairo Santos getting this nice kicking contract and 
the Bears should finally feel good about that pro- problematic position, one that was problematic for years. Should finally feel good about it. And I also like what he said. Um, it is not easy to f- get comfortable at Soldier Field, and it's a thing that could fluctuate. I mean, even Robbie Gold, for his great career in Chicago, would have years where he was still pretty damn good, but he wasn't automatic like he was when everyone would constantly say good as gold. So like last year, Santos was, I would call him automatic, 27 straight field goals. That's pretty automatic. But are there going to be random weeks where it's tough? Maybe. But I do like the confidence that, that Cairo had talking about Soldier Field. If you can get comfortable there, you turn that into an advantage, that you're the kicker that can handle Soldier Field. That pretty much means you can kick anywhere. And when you go to Minnesota or you go to Detroit like you do every single year and you're kicking indoors, well, that shouldn't be a problem then, right? Uh, Even though you're dealing with opposing fans and maybe now hopefully some fans this year and the pressures that maybe come along with that, still not like kicking in Soldier Field. So like that's where if you can get comfortable kicking in arguably the toughest stadium to kick in in the NFL – the whole thing comes becomes a lot easier, if that makes sense. Yeah, you brought it up. I, I think the only question I have about Santos for next season is how does he handle the the nervousness of the Soldier Field crowd? I, I feel like he'll, he'll do fine on the road. He'll be fine on the road. But the pressure in Soldier Field with the winds and an energy from the crowd that could tilt towards anger and resentment and just a lot of different emotions towards their team, whether that's the quarterback, whether that's the head coach, whether that's the GM or a lot of things. And to have that all on a a couple kicks, which like you said, they're going to be in games next year. That's what I want to see next year. That's what I, that's the question I want answered next year is how he handles the return of some angry bears fans in the stands. Well, look, what I'll say about bears fans is if you earn it, they'll give you leeway. You know, Robbie Gould got leeway. Uh, you know, he he could miss a kick without the whole stadium booing. Things got so ugly, though, during the Cody Parkey years that year, I should say. Um, but really, the years that surrounded it were, th- you know, the fans just started expecting misses. I still remember the, n- the nervous en- energy. It, it was Parkey, but that continued into, into Panero. Yes. Oh, yeah. You didn't know what to expect, and there were misses. Yeah. But I would say almost even Eddie earned some leeway in there by kicking the game winner in Denver. Um, so I guess my point is it kind of sucks that Cairo Santos set that record without fans in the stands um, because he didn't really get to experience that love that they fans will show you if you're automatic. Uh, so I would hope that he still gets some of that leeway early in the season if there is a miss in week one or week two or something like that. Um, because he certainly deserved it, but yeah, that's a. Let's hope that the sta- stands are full in the fall. Uh, I don't know if they'll be completely full, but I think at this point it'd be surprising if there aren't fans there. I have a question for you, and this could be our, our segue into our next segment. How much leeway is Andy Dalton going to get? None. Okay, so this is where this is a good way to go in, into this because I understand the pessimism. But doesn't part of you feel bad for him a little bit, too? Yes. Like, it's not his... Like, I always say, like, it's not his fault the Bears gave him $10 million. You know, if that's the best offer, you're gonna anyone's going to take it. And he should take it. But man, this has been some negativity. And it's not so much even directed at him as it is the Bears, right? Yes. But he's going to take the brunt of that being the quarterback of the Bears. Like, Pat Finley had a good question to him the other day, and I think I thought, I knew where Pat was going with this. Pat Finley, our friend from the Chicago Sun-Times, just asking him about how Dallas and all the craziness down there, even with some fans in the stands, like, how, like how did that feel? How did that prepare him? How is that different than Cincinnati? It has to be, right? Um, but there's a difference between his place in Dallas, and what he's taking over here in Chicago. He was the backup for a franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott down there, who was lost for the season. Expectations were low. You probably had fans 
rooting for high draft picks. Yeah, they were in the the NFC East because the NFC East was was a mess. You know, they were in the playoff contention there because it was the worst division of football. But there were fans probably looking forward to, towards the draft and f- figuring out what the team's going to do with Dak Prescott. Here he's taking over a playoff team. Like 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 just thinking about that. Yeah, the Bears made it as the final seed, the expanded playoffs. But this is a playoff team that has a new quarterback that they just paid ten million to, just said goodbye to a second overall round pick to, who just invested in Nick Foles last year, but he's still on the roster. So there's all sorts of things in play here for Andy Dalton's re- career rebirth, whatever he wanted to sell it as here in Chicago. There's a lot more factors for him. Yeah, well, I just... And you're not buying it, right? I'm not. I'm not okay. buying it. No, like, I'm buying why he's here. I understand you have to make a move. You can't be left empty-handed. I, like, I, I was a strong believer that... You cannot go into week one or in the training camp, for that matter, with Nick Foles as your starting quarterback. Like you, you needed to add some type of competition or something before the draft. Strong believer in that. But I'm not going to talk myself into to thinking that Andy Dalton is some major upgrade here over Trubisky or Nick Foles. I'm just not. And I think that's fair. Um, what... Here's my answer to the question I've been getting a lot, and I'm sure you have too. Is what is the Bears' plan? Like, what it what what's the plan here, right? But well, I think it's fair because um, it's kind of hard to understand what the plan might be by going with Andy Dalton and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace haven't talked. Um, did you see what I wrote? I think it was on Friday about the 2017 season that Alex Smith had. Mm-hmm. So, going into 2017, and this was Matt Nagy still the offense coordinator. This was last year in Kansas City before he got hired by the Bears. Alex Smith was a game manager. Like, that's what he was labeled as. Right? He was a former number one overall pick that hadn't lived up to that hype, but had figured out a way to still win games, keep his team in games, but not necessarily be a guy that goes out and wins games for you uh, and wasn't going to beat you downfield a whole lot. Then out of nowhere, Alex Smith led the NFL in downfield passing in 2017. And they just, and Matt Nagy was a part of this, they managed to coach that aggressiveness out of him. And to his credit, he still didn't turn the ball over. He only had five interceptions that season. And meanwhile, they go out, they trade up for Patrick Mahomes, who sits on the bench and develops that whole year. So when people ask me what the plan is, that's what I think the plan is. Doesn't mean it's how it's going to play out. But I think it's important to remember that past experiences matter. Matt Nagy was on that coaching staff. He had success doing that with Alex Smith while developing a superstar behind him. And they still made the playoffs. They won the AFC West. Now, they lost that game to the Titans in the playoff round, but they still had what would certainly save jobs here if the Bears were to go out and win the division. Now, here's a couple of reasons, to your point, Johns, why I'm skeptical that's all going to play out. Uh, one... If we're just being honest, these guys have not earned the benefit of the doubt with the quarterback position here. Okay, so to just expect that that's going to happen with Andy Dalton, maybe it will. But I certainly understand why people doubt that. And doubt that the next Patrick Mahomes is going to be drafted, certainly, here in Chicago to sit behind him. Um, That's all completely 100% fair until they prove otherwise. And the other big thing that I find that I just can't completely buy into what Alex Smith did in 2017 was that five interceptions. When I went back and watched Andy Dalton's 2020 season, I still don't like how much he's turning the ball over. And so if you're going to dial up the aggressiveness on Andy Dalton, I just think that there's still going to be plenty of turnovers. And that's just sort of a more specific reason why I just doubt that Dalton's going to have that same type of season. Now, can he keep the Bears afloat? Can, can can this? And it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with 
let's just remember how bad the offense was at times last year. Can it be better than that as a whole for 16 games? I think it can be. I think they can be more consistent. But I'd be hard-pressed right now to predict a record anything better than 9-7 and seven right now, and that's not going to win you the division. So to say that they're going to go out and win the division with Andy Dalton, uh, I mean, I can't say that right now. Granted, we're still five and a half months away from the season starting. He'll keep them afloat, but what are they floating as? The Bears. Yeah. You know, like it's... Their defense doesn't have Kyle Fuller. I know we talked about that at the beginning of the show. And, you know, Cleo Mack was one year older. Robert Quinn is Robert Quinn. It's. I, I, I think I, I like where you're going with this, and it does make sense. Like, there's a lot of parallels to the Mike Lennon signing. You just need a placeholder until you get that next quarterback. And I do believe that Matt Nagy is going to get his opportunity to select his next quarterback. And by the way, Andy Dalton is way better than Mike Lennon. Yes, yes. Let's let's at least give him that credit because he deserves that. Yeah. 100%. No debate there. Andy Dalton is... Like, if we're talking about quarterback tiers, like Andy Dalton's, what, tier three, tier four? I don't know. Like, Mike Lennon deserves his own tier somewhere else. That was me, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like in that the was CFL, and, and, and like in Andy Dalton, like we asked them, we're, we're going to hear from him here a little bit. But like when we talked to him last week, I made sure to get a draft question in there because we know where this is going. Mm-hmm. We know the Bears have interest in some of these guys. We know Matt Nagy wants to take a swing at the draft if he can't get a Russell Wilson to the Sean Watson. So he seems like Andy Dalton seems better suited for it than Mike Lennon, more prepared for it. I think that's because he's got years of starting experience where Mike Lennon was finally getting his shot. Yeah. Andy Dalton is different. He's a better placeholder in, in like you said, with Alex Smith. Like he is the Bears version of that Alex Smith-like placeholder. Um, now, Alex Smith started there for five years in Kansas City. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to get five years here, but he's, in terms of having that placeholder for a year, He's better suited for this than Mike Lennon ever will be. Well, let's hear from Andy Dalton because his uh, his introductory press conference happened after we recorded uh, on Thursday last week, so we didn't get a chance to get this in there yet. So uh, here's some of what Andy Dalton had to say last week when he met with reporters. You mentioned that fans don't know you, who you are. So what can you bring to this quarterback position that has been missing? What kind of a quarterback on and off the field are Bears fans getting? Well, you know, for me, I'm, I'm only going to talk about me. You know, I'm a guy that brings a lot of experience, that played in a lot of games, had, um, you know, have done, done a lot in, in, in this league. And so for me, I think that's a big part of it. You know, it's not just about the game of football. It's, it's, uh, it's bigger than that. The impact that, that we can make with this platform that we have is getting involved in the community and, uh, all the different areas of it. And, you know, for me, being a great teammate, doing everything that I can to help this uh, this team, this city, and uh, bring, a lot, bring a lot of excitement. So I think that's one thing that I'm sure people have seen me from afar and, and don't know a ton, but, you know, hopefully uh, people get to know me as time goes on. Uh, the Bears had a lot of issues offensively beyond quarterback. What do you think you guys can do with the personnel you have now that you're here? Yeah, you know, I, I'm excited to get to working with uh, Matt and Bill and just talking through offensively how, what what we want to do and uh, to bring my experience with it, to talk through uh, things that they're going to want to do, things that they're going to want to do different and uh, make this thing work for everybody. And so, you know, that, that's what these next several months will be uh, be used for is trying to figure this thing out and get this thing uh, how we want it. And um, like I said, it's, it's all about being really productive offensively and, and, and that's our goal. So you, you intend to be part of that process of tailoring the offense for what it's going to be in 2021, almost like an like another coach? You know, for every conversation I've had, it's uh, it's it's been fun to see just the work environment that 
uh, that we have here. And so to see the relationship that Bill has with Matt and Flip and, you know, all the things that we're going to be doing, I feel like it's going to be just a great uh, group effort along with everybody. Because at the end of the day, I'm the guy that's out there. I'm the one that's going to be playing. We want to make this thing, uh, you know, work for everybody. So I, I definitely feel like I'll be part of that. All right. There's some of what Andy Dalton had to say last week uh, at House Hall. You know what my biggest takeaway of that is, John's is, I mean, right now it doesn't sound like there's going to be much of an off-season program. You saw, like, last year Nick Foles was supposed to be the guy that knew the offense and everything, and then by midseason we're hearing about how much that hurt him. The Bears need to get back to work. Like They need to get on the field in the spring, and whatever this offense is going to look like, get to work because they're going to need it. Andy Dalton's going to need it if it's going to be successful. And right now, I don't know that that's going to happen. And that's going to be a disadvantage to the Bears. You're right. Like, Andy Dalton's a nice guy. He's got some... Like, he's built to handle this, I feel like. But I still feel like there's such a storm coming his way that, like, the boos are going to be relentless. Uh us in the media will be a bit relentless. Like there's, there's a lot on his plate, and I don't think he he got that type of treatment in, in Cincinnati. I don't think like playing quarterback for the Chicago Bears is so different than every other team in the NFL. There's nothing like it, and I get he may only be here one year. I, I get that he may be a mentor for a young quarterback, but. Everything he says, I just hear Nick Foles all over again. Like, I, 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 like you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. it's just it's just better hair. Hair's outstanding. Hair's outstanding. You know, it's just it's better hair and like Nick you know, Foles. But, Nick Foles is a good dude, but like this 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 market's quite relentless, and and there's gonna be fans back in the stands. The pressure is quite overwhelming. But I guess if you're the Bears and you know that, regardless, you might as well get a guy that's built to withstand yeah. it yeah so um we have one more thing from andy dalton when you had that run in cincinnati at the in the in the nuances of your career the, the four trips to the playoffs and the great records what were the ingredients that were a, a part of those teams that you can sort of parallel to how you see yourself fitting into this bears team I think what was so good about those teams, it it was a a group that was playing really hard for each other. I think there was a lot of trust in the guy next to you. And we were playing complete football. It wasn't just we were good offensively. We weren't just good defensively. We were were good as a team. And so the, the games that we had to rely on the defense and we, you know, we weren't getting it done offensively, we were able to do that. And we were able to win those close games and uh, same thing the other way around, you know, there's times where we needed to score 30, 40 points and we were able to do that. And so I think that's the that was what was so good about those teams. And you, you see this team, it's a complete team. And uh, there's a, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of great guys on this team. That's one thing that with, with talking with with Matt and Ryan, just the culture that they've created here. I think that's such a big part of it. And so. Um, you know, I think that's what, what makes a good team. There's, there's more than just the, the skill at, at, at what you can do as a, as a football player. There's, uh, it's just what kind of teammate you are and, and what you're going to do for the guy next to you. I think with this, the point I really want to drive home here is people try to talk themselves in, into Andy Dalton. And I, and I get it, right? He's the Bears starting quarterback. He's the best they could get at this point in the offseason. March 23rd, he is the best they can do. I understand that. But I think we have a body of work here where you should know where your expectations should be set. For everything you just said about Cincinnati, right? Like in all those good years in Cincinnati, there's not one playoff win. In his career, his career, he's only had one season where he's had a passer rating over 100. And I get the Passer rating is an incomplete stat now, but I just want to use it for this context. This is a league where, like, every year the guys are flirting in the 90s. They're in the 100s. Like, Jared Goff, 90s, 100s. Carson Wentz, 90s, 100s. Like, like the guys Mitch that, Trubisky. 90s. 90s. Mitch Trubisky was third in QBR a couple years ago. 
like there are certain limitations with Andy Dalton. Like there, there, I think there's enough body of work where if you're talking yourself into this, there has to be a point. This applies to the Bears when they sell it to us. In, in a couple weeks here when Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace finally talk. This applies to anybody watching film of Andy Dalton. The stats are what they are. This guy's been in the league for, for 10 years. His career pass rating is under 90. There's a certain point where your expectations reach. And yeah, the Bears, this is the best they could do. But just try to temper your expectations for him. Which is why I'll say it again. I strongly believe that this offense needs to be running through David Montgomery. And I think the easiest way for Matt Nagy to get fired would be to not do that. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, another way to, for him to save his job, too, is draft that quarterback. Well, that would help, too. But I, I wouldn't even rule. I wouldn't. I think I put Trey Sermon in my last mock draft. You know, if there's a running back like that available in the third round, something like that, I I would do that because, you know, if you're going to be that dependent on David Montgomery, yes, Tariq Cohen's coming back, but uh, you're going to – I'd have more than David Montgomery because I think this is going to be a team where if they're going to have offensive success, it's going to have to come on the ground. Well, so, Tariq Cohen's back. I know, I just said that, but he's also – not really an in-between-the-tackles runner. No, no. And limited. No, no. Um, hey, before we go, did you see yeah. my mock draft? I took part in the Athletics beat writer I did mock not draft. see that. What, what did you, you have? I came out of there with two first-round picks. Very proud of myself. How? I took Christian Derrissaw at number 20. Okay. And then the Buffalo Bills called me around pick number 30. Asking if I had interest in moving back into the first round because there were a couple quarterbacks still available. Oh. One of them being Mac Jones. He said, make me an offer. And I said, okay. I like that offer. I'll take it. And I took Mac Jones. They don't like Mac Jones, I know. But at number 30, I think he's a worthwhile swing. I wouldn't take him at 20. I'd take him at 30. Was he the last of those five quarterbacks available there? Yes. Yes. The other four were well off the board. You That's like not, it. Admit it. What'd you give up for that? Uh, I gave up the second round pick, the third round pick, and the fifth round pick. That seems like a lot. I think it actually works out. The The trade chart, yeah. value chart, whatever you want to use, actually works out in my favor a little bit. But he offered me, and I said, okay. So your second round pick essentially became a late first. and yes. you gave, But then you gave up your third and your fifth. Yes. So after that pick, you had no picks left until the the run of six-round picks they have. Correct. So the Bears came out of the draft with Christian Derrissaw, Mac Jones, and virtually nothing else. Correct. But they got a quarterback. You're fired. They got a quarterback. I'm calling you up the day after the draft, and I'm firing you. <laughs> I think the Bears would take it. Oh, they need more than that, though. Oh, I know they do. I mean, if you're putting but all those your... Are, those I, are two I, premier I, positions. I get your logic, but I mean, they're you're coming out of there. Now, I do like the left tackle. I had him in my last mock draft. Um, and that at least gives you competition there with Leno. Maybe even that. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to... Theoretically, you can cut Leno at any time and get some more cap space. But I think the question here that that I considered is: Can you wait to fifty-two number pick number fifty-two for that quarterback? Like I get that Mac Jones might fall. I get that Trey Lance might fall. Do you like Kellen Mond? I do. But can you wait to number fifty-two? Well, here, here's where I'm at on that. Um, if you had traded up for Trey Lance, I would be happier about it. He was gone. Yeah, I'm sure. The Mac Jones thing. I th- I thought that. I'm not sure there's a huge difference between Mac Jones and Davis Mills. The Stanford, Stanford kid. Yeah, I, I I look at them and I don't see. 
I don't see much of a difference. Um, what's interesting here is I think Mac Jones was throwing this morning as we're recording. He's going to run uh, either today or, or his next private workout too. Are you are you excited for him running? I I'm excited for him throwing. I think it's part of the evaluation. Well, I think he's well, an excellent yeah. thrower. Uh, I thought, you know, it was interesting seeing Flip at Davis Mills' pro day last week and not just there, but actually asking in, for certain throws. Involved. The, most of the scouts and everybody were in a tent because it was pouring rain. And there is John Filippo, and I think there was a coach or a scout from the Saints standing there, and they were like right there, like right behind them. And Davis Mills looked really good. It's pouring rain. And and he honestly, I mean, he had a way better throwing session, I thought, than Trey Lance did, having watched them both, for whatever that's worth. They're pro days. All right. Well, uh, Johns is fired as GM. And... Um, <laughs> The Bears, I like my draft. The Bears have a potential left tackle competition, uh, but they are putting all their hopes in Mac Jones and Andy Dalton and a whole bunch of six-round picks. Could work. Hey, that's where Ryan Pace does his best work, back in the draft. Well, like if he could get in the fifth round, can he trade some of those six-rounders to get in the, the fifth round? That's a good round for him. The fifth round's good. Second round's actually not that. Like, second round's... Uh, Solid. Uh, well, Anthony Miller's... I, I think it's less than solid now. Eddie Goldman, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, Anthony Miller. Who am I missing? Adam Shaheen. Oh, yeah. Less than solid. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hoke, at Adam Johns. You could read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johns, he's on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Check out the t-shirts at obviousshirts.com. And uh, you can watch us on YouTube if you're not already. The YouTube channel is up. Hogan Johns, you can watch the podcast there if you like to consume the content that way. Otherwise, we're everywhere you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you being loyal subscribers. Tell a friend. Got plenty more content coming up. We're getting into draft season. Love as it. you heard us discussing there. Mac so, Jones and nobody else. Is that what he, Kevin Costner said? Something like that. Uh, he said uh, Mac. What was the guy's name? It was something Mac. Vontae Mac? Vontae Mac, no matter what. Mac Va- Jones, no matter what. You see, you, you see the, the synergy? Vontae Mac Jones. I like Draft Day. I do I too. It, I think it's a solid movie. It's a very polarizing movie. People either like it or they don't. I like it. I'm able to get over the absurdities of some of the trades in there that make no sense. Um, and enjoy the movie. How about that? I was in All right. We do another podcast later in the week. I think so. I think the fish man might be joining us. Oh, yeah. And he'll have some hot takes. We'll see if the Bears make any other moves. What's going on with Akeem Hicks? We didn't talk about that today. Maybe we'll save that for Thursday. See if there's some news there. Anthony Miller. See if the Bears are any better. They might not even make a move between now and Thursday, though. We'll see what happens here. They need another safety. Do they know that? I think so. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you later in the week. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.